I was so deeply focused on running all the way across Africa that I forgot that the only thing I needed to really focus on was today. Was like, mm -hmm. I could not run tomorrow's miles today. I could only do what was right in front of me. Imagine if every moment of every day was unscheduled, unknown, and uncertain. Where you had to choose between your life and the life of another. Where you were deployed somewhere in the world to face an unknown threat and an unseen enemy. This is the podcast designed to serve those who serve us. So join me as we unpack and uncover why we do what we do when we do it from life's most extreme moments. I'm your host, Jeff Fanman, and this is Mindset Radio. All right. Welcome back to your Wednesday. Listen, this is what we're about to do. We're just going to pick right up where we dropped off on Monday with our conversation with Charlie Ingle. And remember, Charlie's the guy who is nuts, crazy enough, to run across the Sahara Desert. Now, that equated to about two marathons a day for 111 days straight. Charlie's going to share some phenomenal stuff with us today. So, just sit back, tune in, listen, and absorb because here we go. Yeah, who knows? I would literally say, but they, I'm going would, to. they would say, when are you, yeah, you going to do it? I don't know. You got any money? <laughs> that exactly. would be my next question. You know, and I, I started to just, you know, I looked for people who could help me. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a saying in, uh, well, it's addiction recovery is where it's based, but it's also, it's just kind of out there to me in the, in the universe. And it's, it's, it's attraction rather than promotion. And it's this idea that instead of talking, you know, very often, um, what's the best way to make this example? So attraction rather than promotion is based in this. When I got sober, I wanted to go into the bars and into the friggin' crack houses and pull out all the people that I knew because I had all of a sudden found this new life that was mm. so amazing. And they, of course, told me to piss off because nobody wants to hear that shit. When you're the happy guy right. and your life is good, people don't. But it, what I learned quickly is if I just kept living my life and I, and I wasn't trying to like be in your face some shining example – People noticed and slowly over the years, my friends would come to me and say, I remember what a loser addict you were for all those years. You know, how, how did you do this? How have you created this life? And then once they ask that question, then I have the right to sort of say, you know, look, here's how I did it. I can't tell you how to do it, but here's how I did it. And, and I think that that's what I started to look for in the Sahara project is I looked for other people out there who were out there doing things, not talking about whatever, some nonsense, you know, I looked for people that were actually doing it and I started to use them as mentors and I reached out and I said, you know, you've done this adventure or you've accomplished this. How did you do it? Yeah. And you know, and they told me and the vast majority of the time there was no like secret. There wasn't like, oh, it was always that same thing. You just have to keep telling your story and keep moving forward every single day. Continuous forward movement wins the day. 
And I, with the Sahara, I eventually told a guy who I had known for years, and he got tired of hearing me talk about it. And he's like, hey, if you'll just shut up, I'll, I'll introduce you to this friend of mine who's a director. He's like a Hollywood director, and he had won the Academy Award for Best Documentary a few years earlier. So he was a big deal. Yeah. And, and um, I said, great. And I met this man, James Mall. And I showed up late for the pitch and I, I, it was a disaster. It's the worst <laughs> pitch I ever gave. And like, it was just, it was just absolutely awful. And I, he stood up at the end of it and put out his hand and said, I'll do it. And, and I'm like, what do you mean you'll do it? He's like, yeah, you know, if you, you know, if you go to the Sahara and you do this run, I'm going to be there to film it. And he called me a week later and said, Hey, I, I just hung up with Matt Damon and, and Matt wants to be the narrator of the film and he wants to executive produce. Like, would that be okay with you? And, um, and I, I literally, I did, I paused for effect and I said, ah, I was really hoping for somebody better, but sure. Matt Damon to be fine. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, you know, a year and a half later there, I was on the coast of Senegal with my team, you know, my two teammates, there were three of us that did this run together. And I had a, a crew of uh, actually were all former military guys uh, that were in the Sahara with me and uh, a bunch of native Tuaregs who were the, the, you know, the native folks of the Sahara Desert, just amazing desert people who who understand more about the desert than than any of us ever could. And. You know, but I was scared to death. I'm sitting there on the coast of of uh, Senegal surrounded by all these people and I, all i can think is i've suckered all of these people out here to the sahara and we're all gonna die <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, you know and and uh you know and we we began this adventure and um and it went really badly like almost right out of the gate everything you know, everything fell apart. We got lost. We ran out of food and water. Everybody was sick. The ground temperatures were like 140 degrees every day. Yeah. And we just were getting our asses kicked. And, and it took like a week of that before I realized that I was, I was so deeply focused on running all the way across Africa that I forgot that the only thing I needed to really focus on was today was like, mm -hmm. I could not run tomorrow's miles today. I could only do what was right in front of me. And the metaphor is not lost, I don't think, on anyone listening to this. You know, you, you, we get so caught up in worrying about tomorrow's problems. And, and sure, we understand that there are going to be challenges coming down, you know, coming down the pike in front of us. But, but we can't do anything about those until we get to them. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to deal with those problems until we deal with what's right in front of us. So I, I literally, I got up on day eight and all I thought about was running a marathon before lunch. And, and like, I focused on just that. And then I would have lunch and I'd take a short break. And I, all I thought about was running a second marathon before dinner, you know, and then I would, at the end of the day, I'd put my thin little foam mat on the sand and I would look up at a billion stars and I would just give thanks for the opportunity to be out there suffering and just to be alive. And then I would get up the next day and I would do it all over again. And, 
in that way, you know, I was no longer afraid of the enormity of the project because all I was worry, worrying about at any given time was, was truly the miles that I was doing at that moment. And once my perspective changed in that way, you know, then everything changed and, you know, and we made it. We, you know, we, we got across the Sahara Desert and it was too I ran, we ran two marathons per day for 111 consecutive days without taking a day off. And, um, well, I'm going to say, who knew Africa was that big? Yeah. I'm going to say it because I think most of the listening audience is saying it like, dude, you're crazy, <laughs> you know, yeah. but awesome, you know, but yeah, yeah. you, cause you said something, I want to back up just a little bit because you said something that's kind of been sitting with me, which is this point where, you know, you, you kind of hit the Y in the road and things like an addictive component in us, right? We're all kind of addicted to something or we have a lot of us have that in us, especially that those of us in this career, right? We're addicted to excitement and we want to run into burning buildings or go get shot at or go do what other people may mm -hmm. look at as stupid things, you know, and at some place, you know, there's like a an intersection between that can become like shameful and we can spiral into this whole other place. Or like you said, you know, it's, it's that piece of you that has actually enabled you to do what you've done and do what you continue to do. Right. So it's like, okay, it's like a reframing rather than like, Oh, I have to kind of go to, you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm this, or I'm that like all this gross kind of shameful crap we would, tunnel ourselves into at times and then isolate from people and shut things down and do all these things but going oh well okay that same that same thing that in this context is is not healthy for me and the people around me and not really producing a result i want to produce in my life but that's those same underpinning things can support me doing this crazy, awesome, really cool thing that where I get to be a contribution and I get to fulfill a, a destiny in life that's kind of, you know, sitting there for me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let that go by. I no. think that's a, a really, no, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. And we, we almost, it's crazy how we almost look at ourselves, you know, we feel embarrassed sometimes to want the things that we want and, and, we end up making excuses for why we do it. Look, there's nothing I, I believe very firmly in owning my my stuff. And it's not that I'm perfect at it, but you know, I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna tell people that not I'm not gonna necessarily volunteer every minute that I'm a recovering drug addict sure. or that I'm, you know, whatever. But you know, if it comes up in conversation or whatever, I never shy away from it because we, we, the, the, the old saying, which we all know, I think is, you know, you're only as thick as your secrets. And mm -hmm. very often we think our stuff is so big. And if people knew this thing about us, then they wouldn't love us anymore. Or they would look at us, you know, in some terrible way. And what we find, what I find the vast majority of the time is that people are, um, they're very open and welcoming when they hear about the struggles that I've had. And if I'm not out there sharing the struggle and I'm only talking about the somehow the glory of it or whatever, then I'm doing a disservice to, you know, to what I do. 
And, and I, I, man, I just think if, if, if people would, you know, there's another old saying, I love all my old sayings here, but you know, we compare our insides to other people's outsides and we, we take how we feel and we project that on how other people look. Mm -hmm. And in particular in, in service industries, you know, whether it's uh, fire, police, military, or, or, I mean, look, the same thing happens. PTSD, try being a social worker for a while or try being, you know, you're dealing with people who are in need and you're bombarded every single day with people who are hurting and suffering and you're trying to walk that line between, you know, doing your job and being compassionate towards the people that you're, you're trying to serve. And I think very often it's, it's, it's complicated. You know, I am also that person. So, you know, I serve the recovery community more than anything else. And mm-hmm. we're talking about people who have been beaten down and shamed. You yeah. know, addiction is a disease. Addiction is a disease. And if you, you know, if you went up and told somebody you had, you're, you're a drug addict, um, can I have $5? They'll tell you to get lost. If you went up to somebody and said, Hey, I've got cancer. Can I have $5? You know, they're like, here, here's a hundred. Right. Well, and I'm not, I look, I don't mean to make an indelicate, you know, comparison, but the fact is a disease is a disease and, mm-hmm. you know, people need help and they, they require compassion and they deserve it. And I think we all forget sometimes that, you know, just because you may have some choice in the matter, you know, you, you I don't have a choice that I am an addict. I do have a choice on how I'm going to behave from this point forward. And it would be like not feeling compassion. You know, yeah, you watch somebody smoke for 25 years and they get lung cancer. Well, maybe that's not a surprise, but that it doesn't mean that they deserve like to die or some terrible thing to happen. You can you can still have compassion for people who have clearly had a hand in their own suffering and. Uh, you know, think again, society tends to be a little judgmental around that stuff. Well, and we all have had a hand in our own suffering in our own way. That's what it looks like 100%. And I, and I'm a firm believer that, that honesty actually enables honesty, like authenticity enables authenticity. When you are willing to, to, to put it on the line, you know, most recently for me, I've been talking about like carrying this anger I've had since I was a kid. Um, and uh, the havoc it has wreaked in my life, and uh, I mean, it's it's been awful for people around me, uh, and I didn't know, like I couldn't see it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would I I make a statement like I would get angry at people saying, "Jeff, you're angry." No, I'm not angry. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, actually are. <laughs> and and you know, I wrote, I shared the kind of with my Facebook community around it because I've done been doing some work with it, and just I mean the slew of people that have been reaching out to me like, (laughs) holy shit, I'm dealing with that. Like that's like, that's, and if we're not that way, if we're not willing to step out and be that way and be honest and stop pretending around, you know, stop trying to look good and Hey, you know, I've got it all together. Fuck. No, I don't have it all together. Part of my language. It's like, no, I'm a, I'm a shit show most days. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. And I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Like, like you are and like everyone else is. Uh. Well, dude, that's just it. And you, you put it out there and people really are compassionate. And we, we like, 
Look, if you were to watch Running the Sahara, the film about Mm -hmm. my run, there's very little running in it because it's actually about the struggle. And it's I don't look good. I look like a dick (laughs) half half of the film. And and that's because I am half the time in my life. You know, I'm, I'm it's not like I've. Just because I know the answers doesn't mean I behave perfectly all the time. Yes. And, but what I am willing to do is I'm willing to make amends and I'm willing mm-hmm. to a much more. And just like what you just said about yourself, my guess is this acknowledgement of being like you might get angry about something or at someone because they didn't behave in a way that you felt like they should. They didn't do this thing or they didn't meet this commitment. Well, guess what? People are flawed and they, they, we let other people down and they let us down. And that's part of just being human. And you have to decide, you know, is, is being right worth the anger? Like, is it, is it, is it worth, you know, getting someone else to say, you know, I'm, and I'm right there with you. I have the same anger problem, even after all these years, Saying it out loud, though, takes away so much of the power. Did you see that? Um, I love this example. I use it every once in a while. Did you see um, Eminem? You remember that movie, Eight Mile? You yes. remember that movie? Yep. So, look, not exactly brilliant filmmaking. <laughs> however, however, not not bad either. It's a pretty good movie. And if you remember the last scene in Eight Mile, you know, it's this rap battle, right? Right. And... And do you remember what happened in the very last scene of the film? It's been like, forever since I've okay, seen that. Okay, so movie. here's the deal. There's yeah. Eminem and there's this other rapper that's his arch nemesis, right? And so they come into this final battle and Eminem is first up and he takes the mic and he basically spends, you know, two minutes talking shit about himself. And he and he talks about, you know, he lives with his mom and his friend had sex with his girlfriend. And he he in other words, he puts all his own stuff out there. And then the other guy walked away because he didn't have anything to say. Yeah. Like, because, he, you know, normally people are so worried about what other people are saying about them that they, they forget the fact that most people really don't give a shit. I mean, they don't. <laughs> yeah. our, our, stuff, our stuff seems so important to us. Yes. Um, but to others, it, it's really not that big a deal. And... And, you know, and if we put it out there, if we share it with other people, more often than not, than not, the response you'll get is me too. Yes. Or I feel that way also. Or I had the same problem. Whatever it is. That, that happens to me every single day of my life because I'm willing to put it out there that I'm a flawed, just kind of normal human being that, that you know, still struggles on a daily basis. But... You know, it doesn't have to dictate who I am or how I live my life. It, it it just is part of my personality. Yeah, it's just there. Uh, that's you nailed it on the head. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's talk real quick. You've got so you're planning kind of the next adventure here, which I think is wildly cool. Uh, you're going to go from the lowest point to the highest point, right? Uh, yeah, that, that's and the plan, we, right? We, so I want, yeah, I want to we, just kind yeah, of frame that a little bit. Well, we just spent, you know, the last however long talking about basically low points and high points, right? Yeah. And I mean, we are all 
as human beings on this planet, we, we all go through this never ending cycle of low places and high points. And like I said early on, those two places don't ever last. The bad times don't last, even though it feels like they're never going to end, you know, and the good times don't last as much as we try to hold on to them. You know, they, those moments are irreplaceable and they're, and they're difficult to, you can't manufacture them again. You know, I did that run across the Sahara and it changed my life. But you know what, if I had turned around and run back the other direction after I was done, it would have been completely different. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't get to go back to the academy or you don't get to go back to that time when you were sitting around with your buddies and everything just seemed perfect. Right. Like, that's not how life works. You've got to keep seeking new experiences. So I call this project 5.8. And the reason is, you know, I'm basically going to go from the lowest land elevations on the planet on all seven continents to the highest land elevation on each continent. So the ultimate version of this is the one you referenced earlier, which is from the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the planet. I'll go from the shore of the Dead Sea in Jordan. I'll swim out into the Dead Sea and do, actually do a free dive <laughs> mm. to the lowest point that I can reach. I'll come back up and go back to shore, and then I'll run 2,000 miles across the Arabian Desert and when I reach the tip of Oman, I'm going to get into a kayak and actually paddle about a thousand miles across the Indian Ocean. And when I reach Mumbai, India, I'll get on a mountain bike and cycle all the way to the to the base of Mount Everest and in Nepal. And from there, I'll climb to the top. And I call it 5.8 because it's while it's about 4,500 miles from the lowest place to the highest point, it's actually only 5.8 vertical miles. So from the lowest place to the highest is only 5.8 miles high. And, and we're all in this together. Like you and me and every person on the planet lives within this little tiny 5.8 mile sliver of space. Mm. And, you know, we're sharing this space together, whether we want to or not. And, you know, and we need to be kinder to each other and we need to find ways to make to make things better. And uh, and very often that does just start with, you know, telling telling one story about your own life and and sharing the struggle with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how are you? How are you preparing for that? I mean, like, what do you, you know, you talked a little bit about the Sahara. I mean, are you, you find that you're uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Because that's kind of the the triangulation, if you will, because it takes all of it. You know, I always said like the road march from the military days, like that to me has been the most physically, mentally, and emotionally brutal thing you'll ever do. You know, put one front yeah. or the other, carrying a pack, walking consistently for an excessive period in time, you know, over a lot of miles, uh, no headphones, you know, just you and your, mm -hmm. you and your own head really. And mm -hmm. that's kind of, it's kind of, when we talked about it, that's, that's what the book is about a little bit, right? Kind of the, the thought and the discovery that you have in the moments on the pavement, you know, in the moments running, uh, what have been some well, of the ignorance, ignorance is bliss, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> And I always say to people, it's like once you once you do something once 
Like that first time you actually had the blessing of not understanding how freaking hard it was going to be. Yeah. And, and then when you got to go do that same March again, you're like, Oh my God, this, I, this, you know, in your mind, you already know how tough it's going to be. So then you have to make a choice, you know, am I going to go do this thing or not? Or maybe you don't have a choice. You have to go do it. So the choice then becomes, how are you going to approach it mentally? Like, Yes. You, if you, like if you're in the service or you've got some obligation to do this physical thing, you know, it's coming. So to dread it is actually just self torture. Like why, why go to the extra effort of making it even harder by talking about how freaking hard it's going to be. You're going to hit a point in that just like I know I'm going to on 5.8, I will hit a point probably every single day out there where I'm going, why did I think this was a good idea? <laughs> right, you idiot. Yeah. I mean, I want to, yeah. I want to dive, I want to go into that a little bit because here's the thing, like I can remember, you know, like my freaking first start in, in range battalion, we did this freaking, we do a battalion run. It's like 13 miles. Cause we'd run around, you know, from Benning, we'd run around, uh, Georgia or uh, Alabama and back, you know, and he'd do stupid yep. shit along the way, run us into the water. And, you know, you're just, and like, we all, it was like the dread point. There was no excitement, you know, we used to have the false motivation breeds real motivation, you know, ah, the flutter kick, you know, crap going on. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, but that's true because, you know, listen, you like, like the Sahara was all new, right? It was, it was a point of discovery. It was, a new challenge. Like there was a lot that was gained in that experience as it was occurring. But now you have that as like a reference point, you have the good and the bad of it. It's not like you just have, Oh, it was great. And I completed it. And that was awesome. And I'm going to go do this again. No, it was like, like you said, there were times it just sucked. Like it was so how kind of having that. And then how do you frame now those yeah, moments. But that, that's yeah. The, yeah, that's the lesson, Jeff. And, and you just, you actually just said it, which is this, you're talking about those marches at Fort Benning, right? 13 miles. If I asked you to take five minutes and explain to me, tell me about it. You, you even just hit the highlights. You got run into water. You'd, you'd get, you'd have to go do this crazy thing. Those are the parts of it that actually stand out in your mind. Those you don't remember when you, you don't remember the start of the 13 miles, right? You don't remember the miles that were actually pretty easy right. or whatever. You don't remember any of that. What you remember is the moment when it sucked the worst. Mm. And those are the stories that we go on to tell because we do know that that's whether we're acknowledging it or not. Those are the parts. Those are the moments that shape who we are and how we see the world. And so for me, I have been able to understand that and to know the preparation for 5.8 is just the fact that I'm alive. Like I'm not, I mean, yes, I know I need to go into this project healthy. I need to be like, I need to not have any, you know, <laughs> broken bones or serious injuries right. or whatever. Right. My, my overall health, how I eat, how I sleep, how I um, hydrate, those three things actually will dictate how I feel because I already know I can't physically prepare myself to run that far or bike that far or whatever. I can only mentally prepare myself for it. But for me, the mental preparation isn't about dread. It's not about, 
oh my God, you know, is this, you know, is it going to suck it sometimes? Is it going to be hard? Of course it's going to be. And that's why I'm there. Right. You know, those are the stories. Those are the stories that when I'm done, you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, if somebody asked me about how hot it was or, or I'm going to tell you about the, the little kid that I encounter in the middle of the desert whose parents are a two days walk away to get water who, you know, that's his life. That's what he has to deal with every single day. You know, I'm going to get perspective uh, out there and I'm going to have stories to tell. And that's why I'm going. The physical part of it, I actually know. Experience tells me that the more often I put myself in difficult physical situations, the more benefits I'm going to get. Hmm. You know, it's really that it's really that simple. It's not I'm not going to, you know, and look. I recognize that I'm choosing, and I want to be really careful about this because with your audience, I am choosing to put myself in a difficult situation because I believe that the lessons I'm going to come away with have value. I understand that very, a lot of the people listening to this, while they did choose a certain profession that put them in dangerous situations, and while they knew that was going to happen, there's trauma associated with those situations that I can't really relate to. Like I've never had to make a choice about whether or not I'm going to, you know, protect myself in a way that might hurt someone else or that, you know, whatever. I don't have to, I haven't had to make a lot of life and death decisions. Well, I have around my own life. Sure. um, But not necessarily as often. So I'm not trying to minimize what other people might be going through. But the point is, you know, when we do look at our lives, I do genuinely believe that we are naturally drawn to the struggles. You know, we 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 rarely find ourselves focusing on the times that were easy or whatever. And if we do focus on those, we tend to falsely remember them as being easy. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. They were probably harder than we remember them being, but, you know, we will focus on on a lot of the difficulties and the lessons learned. And so as I go into 5.8, I'm going into it knowing it's going to take a few days to scrape away all the like just normal daily life, um, Mm -hmm. the crap of of everything of just the world, you know, of, of this part of the world that I live in and get immersed in the physical undertaking of trying to, you know, I'm trying to cover more than a hundred miles a day with running and biking and, and swimming and all the, and kayaking and all the things that I'm doing. And, and it's going to be a struggle every single day out there. And if I just keep focusing on just what's right in front of me, and not projecting the problems that might be coming my way, mm-hmm. you know, then I, then I will get through every single day as it comes. And, and the next day will present itself soon enough. Well, and I think that's, you know, I, I want to go like way back to almost where we started, you know, because we, we use the word commitment a lot and are you committed to this or, Hey, I have a commitment to that. And, you know, and I believe that that is, like that's an anchor, right? And so if I'm committed to whatever it is in my life, committed to being a fireman, committed to being a police officer, committed to being, you know, a, a member of the service and, and all that goes with that, 
like that commitment can, or, you know, run across the Sahara or do this stuff. That commitment anchors me in a way that it, it like, it gives me permission to act as I need to act in that moment. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. commitment to me supersedes morality and uh, judgment and everything else. It's like, no, this is, this is my anchor. I am committed to this in this moment. And whatever actions need to unfold in that moment, unfold in that moment. And I'm committed to the person next to me and the people that I've committed to protect. And, you know, the country I've committed to protect or the community I've committed to protect or whatever it is. And, and I'm going to act accordingly based on that commitment and the conditions as they exist now. And I think that that's you started with this and kind of just through this conversation. I feel like we lose sight of that because we, we allow judgment to, to, to chip away at that fundamental core intention and commitment that we create in ourselves. And then that's where I see a lot of people kind of, it starts to spiral out, right? People are like trying to tear it. Well, you know, questioning that commitment. It's like, no, listen, I don't regret anything I've done in my life. I've, I've had some crazy experiences and some crazy opportunity. And I don't sit today with one regret. You know, there's impact yeah. of yeah. things. Sure. You know, sure. There's sure. impact of things, but I don't regret a damn thing because at different points in my life, I was either fully committed to my community and protecting and serving the people around me, or I was fully committed to my country and protecting and serving this country and the men and women I was standing next to or serving with at that time. And whatever unfolded, unfolded in that moment. And if you want to call me to the carpet or yeah. you want to judge me for that, that's a you issue, not a me issue. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sorry to get on my tangent here, break loose into this. No. But but no, that, dude, I'm, like, I'm hearing every word you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and you apply that everywhere. It's like, I, you know, I, I've struggled with like my commitment to my health and fitness over my life. Like that's been a, a struggle and I've made a big thing about it. And I've allowed almost myself to chip away at that, you know, uh, and it is part of it, right? It's the commitment to put one foot in front of the other, to take the action, to put the work in, to achieve you know, kind of this, this objective that's out there and it's the journey between here and there. I I'm just, yeah, sorry. Did, didn't mean to well, take, seems, take over the show in front of you. Yeah, Ken. No, it seems overwhelming. And just like what I'll actually just to take a, a minor step back to what you just said, like your own physical health is it, it has taken a backseat at times, you know, like you've not done what you feel mm -hmm. like you should be doing. So just to analyze that. And I think we all have those feelings quite often, whether it's about our physical health, our mental health or whatever. And the, the, the problem very often is that the, the big picture is so overwhelming. And so like, let's just say if you need to, I mean, you and I know each other, so I know you don't, it's not like you need to lose a ton of weight or whatever, but you know, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. Like it's, <laughs> What's interesting is that that doesn't sound huge, but the commitment that it takes every single day to do that feels overwhelming. Yes. Because you're like, I'm busy. I've got this going on. I got that going on, whatever. Yet, if, you know, if this was a, if the commitment you needed to make was to, you know, build shelter for a group of needy children, like, 
like if that was the top priority in your life at this moment, guess what? Your ass would be out there doing it 10 hours a day, every single day until the job was done. So the difficulty we all have very often is self-care, is putting ourselves at the top of the list and not feeling selfish about it. Um, it's also, I might point this out about this is human nature, I think, for all of us. <laughs> it's more fun to help other people than it is to help ourselves. Sometimes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's cool to go volunteer at the homeless shelter or go um, whatever, fundraise for this thing or whatever. Meanwhile, you're ignoring your own body or your own household or your mm -hmm. own, you know, whatever, because that takes a harder, deeper look, um, than, than just, you know, you get the double benefit. If you're building a, if you're working on a homeless shelter, you get the double benefit of feeling good about it, but also being seen by other people doing something generous. And, and again, we tend to feel guilty about things that, that are directed towards helping ourselves. Uh, I gotta, I have to give you this one funny and I use this example all the time people will say to me they'll find out I'm a runner and they'll say hey yeah you know I'm running the marathon you know coming up I'm doing it to raise money for Alzheimer's I'm like so in other words within the first 10 seconds they tell me they're doing it and they tell me why they're doing it but they're so desperate to like tell me that why as if somehow I was going to judge them if they just wanted to run a freaking marathon because they wanted to run a marathon. Like, like in other words, <laughs> if it's not some, if it's not some generous, you know, fundraising societal thing, then somehow it's not worthy. And I'm not saying that you don't, I mean, look, my run across the Sahara, as you well know, I actually, I ended up being the co-founder of water.org, which is the world's yeah. largest clean water nonprofit. I mean, it's a huge thing with Matt Damon. But the fact of the matter is, I, I didn't, I didn't set out at the beginning. I didn't say, yeah, I'm going to create the world's biggest clean water nonprofit. I'm like, hey, you know, the Sahara doesn't have any water. We should, we should like see if we can do something about that. And the point that I make unapologetically is that I ran across the Sahara Desert because I wanted to see whether I was capable of doing it. And so, mm -hmm. you, so and, and to some people that might sound selfish. Oh, my God. Heaven, for, heaven forbid we do something that's actually going to benefit us, you right. know, like physically or emotionally or mentally. You don't. Oh, you said this earlier, really, but. We don't owe anyone else an explanation for why we're doing something like, hell, I don't know why I'm doing it half the time. But what life has taught me, <laughs> just doing what it. Yeah. yeah, what life has taught me is that if I go do it, I'm going to learn some lessons from it. So what I'm trying to find out, hell, I'm 56 years old and I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't have the answers, nor, frankly, if someone handed me a sheet of paper that had, like, quote, unquote, all the answers on it, I would just fuck it up anyway. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have to go out there and figure those things out for myself. And, and the mistake, well, it's not right for me to say it's a mistake, but I'm going to say it anyway. The mistake people yeah, make. Anyway. Yeah, well, the mistake people make is they judge themselves somehow not worthy of of going out and doing those things you have a right to go out 
and try new things and to fail or succeed and to learn the lessons from it. And, you know, we all kind of, I think, pinball our way through lives and we, we hurt other people, most of us unintentionally. And, mm -hmm. and we figure out ways to justify. And like you mentioned, your own anger issues. If you're like me, what you end up doing is justifying your behavior through rationalization by saying, well, well, but, but this and but that, and I was right. And you know, very often with me, it's not whether, it's not whether what I said was right or wrong. It's how I said it because I can yeah. be, I can be a, an overbearing jerk when I'm telling someone else that they're wrong. And, you know, <laughs> yes. and so the message gets completely lost in the way I'm delivering the message. And so, again, I, I, I guess the point I'm dying, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole there. But the fact no, of the matter is, you know, what I've learned is that if I'm willing to just like share the struggle and I'm willing to apologize and just understand that I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. And I, I tend to surround myself with people that hopefully are forgiving of my imperfections and I need to do a better job of being forgiving of theirs. And, um, you know, and that helps me get through the, the crap that we all, you know, Instagram and Facebook are not real lives. <laughs> and right. we, we all watch those people live in their lives and are like, man, my life doesn't look nearly as good as theirs. Well, you know, their life isn't that great either. <laughs> yeah. I only take pictures of things that are like fun you know, yep. you don't get the other 23, you know, hours and 55 yeah. minutes yeah. in the rest of my day. You know, you get you get the five minute snapshot where I'm, you know, enjoying something. Well, that's why with 5.8 and just to flip this back around, that is why yeah. like when, when I'm when I'm going to be out there doing this thing. And by the way, the very first expedition actually begins in Africa. So it's seven expeditions and the first one's in Africa and it starts in August, late August. So. Okay. My my buddy Andre, who's doing this thing with me, he and I will. And by the way, Andre has no legs, um, so right, Andre right. is pretty pretty fascinating guy himself. And you know, Andre and I are doing this together. But we'll go from the lowest land elevation in Africa to the top of Kilimanjaro, and it'll take a few weeks. And you know, we're going to start doing this thing in late you know late August. And it's this idea that you know we just have to go out there, just like we. Um, you know, we're doing it because we want to see if it's humanly possible to go from these low places to these high points. And we also believe in the metaphor, you know, of low places and high points and the fact that everybody mm -hmm. kind of goes through this journey, um, together. And, you know, what, but what, but the point of what I'm saying is it's not going to be like the Instagram life where you're going to, you're going to come on and watch our page and it's going to be all happiness and sunshine. In fact, if I, I can I can warn you and assure you that if I throw up on my shoes, there's going to be a picture of it. And if I 100 percent, you know, if I got a blister on my, you know, left foot or I was going to pick some other less attractive place. But, um, right. you know, like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that people actually want to see. Nobody wants to see me run like and and talk about how awesome it doesn't mean that every minute has to be miserable, but the fact is the struggle is the interesting part, you know, yeah. not, not the other yeah. parts of it. They, you know, they want to understand and anybody who says that they're not struggling, that's not somebody, I mean, maybe they're not, 
and more power to him, but they're probably not a very interesting person. And, uh, you know, I think that character comes from struggle 100%. Mm-hmm. And 100. all the yeah. most interesting people I know are the ones who have struggled the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and, and then willing to share that and willing to, uh, just own their life. I mean, just own, uh, uh, you know, I, there were a lot of times I couldn't see, you know, where to just be straight and honest and yep. upfront about, you know, shit in life and things going, uh, the way they were going. And, you know, and it's, it's, it just, yeah, it's just not worth it anymore. Well, Jeff, we also make the, we make the assumption and I tell people this in sobriety all the time. We tend to make the assumption that other people want the best for us. That's not mm-hmm. always true. <laughs> and, no. and, and it's not, that's not a condemnation of those people. It's human nature that people don't want to be left behind. So, and I use addiction because again, that's the place I have the most experience. You know, when I got sober, when I first got sober 27 years ago, I had good friends of mine who had watched me do some awful shit come up to me and say, you know what? You weren't that bad. You know, you just need to like, you need to cut back some, you need to whatever. And it took me a while to understand. I'd be looking at them like, what? Do you not remember that I just like drained all the money out of my account? I couldn't pay the rent and I, (laughs) I friggin', you know, I stole this from a friend and I, whatever. I mean, all the screwed up shit that I just did. Do you, do you not remember that? And the reason wasn't because of their concern for me. Their, the reason was because they were concerned I was going to leave them behind. Like, Mm. Misery loves company. So miserable people love to hang around with each other. And that's why they call it commiserating. You know, it's miserable. And so those people get together with each other and they do that. They drink, they do drugs, they do whatever messed up shit that they're going to do so that they can, they feel okay about it because they're surrounded by other people that are doing the exact same thing. So finding a way to break that cycle and get away from those people. My first sponsor ever when I got sober, he's like, so you prepared for this commitment? I'm like, yeah, what do I have to do? He's like, it's really easy. You only have to change two things, everything that you do and everyone that you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds easy. Okay, we'll we'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you said something interesting there. I I don't want to, and I don't want to just pin that to, you know, a different community. Let me, you know, cause in the firehouse, in the, I know in the team room, in the squad room, across this industry, and and I'll just call it like it is cause I've been a part of it. So I don't feel like I'm speaking from a holier than thou place. I have been 100% in it and the instigator of it. We are complainers i mean we can be bitches at time and and it breeds you know i love like out of the movie thin red line gary Busey's like the Mm -hmm. colonel or whatever you know they're the captain young captain comes running up he's like sir sir you know the the men they're they're bitching and he's like the only time you got to worry about a private is when he stops bitching you know and 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 it is it is consistent across the board that that is so true and we allow it to spiral and impact each other And, you know, when we're not, we are not a culture that knows how to lift each other up very well. 
Yeah. We're, we're no. just not. And, and that, that goes, that is, that's not isolated to anywhere. And, you know, I gave a talk uh, in LA a couple months ago and a guy asked me about some issues in the fire service and everything else. And it, you know, we tracked it back to judgment being at like the core foundation of who we are as a people that we're constantly, you know, judging each other and ourselves in every moment. And then we're just operating from that context. It's like, you know, I, yeah, it's, it is, yeah. that's not isolated. You know, it's, it's misery loves company. It's, it's, it's trash talking. It's, it's, you know, there's the, I, the thing I love about the community that I've gotten to grow up in and live in is we're shit talkers. I mean, we, yeah. we bust each other's balls left and right. And that's just part of it. Um, you know, the stuff we used to do to each other in firehouse, you get arrested for today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Point blank. But you know, but that's the culture that's been bred and that's okay. There's a, it's a, there's a camaraderie in that, and a, you know, a goodness in that, except when it then transfers to what you just talked about. Right. And we just kind of start to churn the misery bucket. Oh, I don't like this, or I don't like that. Or, you know, we don't have any money by the County or this chief sucks or that yep. guy's this. And, and man, it just breeds and just in infects the system so quickly and we're not very good at walking in and going can you guys shut up for a minute can we look at like what's here and you know because we don't like to be positive johnny walking in you know what i mean like like yeah. I'm, i we're working on a few things that like anger is the only acceptable emotion in this world like yeah. i can be any any i can't be anything else but i'm but it's okay if i'm pissed off it's okay there and i've said that a couple times and it's because it's I feel like that's bubbling to, to a head right now in some ways. So sorry to track I totally back agree. to that. No, and it's, it's so what you said is really important because it, it is a matter of um, perspective and it's a matter of optimism. Look, anybody can be pessimistic. That is the easiest freaking job Easy. in the world. And, yep. you know, you get sucked into other people's negativity or you get sucked into your own, you know, we're looking your we're own all, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all easily capable of pointing out the problems in a situation because they are usually very apparent. And, mm -hmm. you know, can you be the solutions based person though? Can you be the, the, the person that says, okay, yeah, I acknowledge it. This is screwed up. We don't have funding for this. We don't have the support of management. And this isn't just obviously fire, police and military. This is any business you ever go into anywhere. Right. Yep. I mean, and so you get a choice to be, and I'm not talking about pie in the sky bullshit where you're, you know, you're just a Mr. Happy all the time because nobody likes that guy either. Um, exactly. Cause you're, you're, yeah. you're full of it at that point. Yeah. Right. Cause that's not real. I mean, but yep. real problems, there comes a point you get, like I always used to say, man, 60 minutes, you know, if we're going to talk about this for 60 minutes, five of it should be the bitching part. And the other 55 should be the solutions part. Mm -hmm. Like what, what are we going to do about it? And the doing isn't about following a petition or a complaint. Like if it's funding problems, okay, what's the alternative? And I mean, yeah. you see it out there all the time with fire and police and, and even military where people are, you know, they are, very, they are looking for solutions. And and they are going out there trying to be that positive person. Do you are you mm -hmm. a fan of um, 
so I love uh, this Ernest Shackleton, you know, the the polar explorer from the 19th, uh, 1900s. So he mm-hmm. was he was trying to cross Antarctica. He was trying to get to Antarctica back in the early 1900s. And it's a very famous story. You know, he took a ship called the Endurance and 26 men. He took to Antarctica and they, they got stuck in an ice fall almost immediately, an ice flow rather. And it crushed their ship. And, you know, the point is they, they got stuck for 22 months on the ice. And there happened to be uh, a documentarian along that took photos. And this is like you know, early 1900s. So it's very unusual. You know, today yeah. somebody would just have it on their Instagram account. But um, right. You know, and, and anyway, the point is he, he wrote a book, but he, he is famous for the saying I use most often in my life. And that is this optimism is true moral courage because it takes courage mm. to be optimistic in the face of overwhelming odds. And his optimism, people kept journals in his group and whatever. And those 26 men, all 26 actually came back alive at the end of this crazy adventure with nobody out there to rescue them. Wow. And the reason they came back alive, they say this like to a man, is was Ernest Shackleton's optimism. Like Hmm. he was willing to um, to just be optimistic and his optimism carried over. Now, what's crazy is and this isn't unlike things that do happen in, in real life out there today. <laughs> people came home from Antarctica and this journey and then they began to die. Interestingly, mm-hmm. again, not yeah. unlike today, right? Yep. Where people, once they had, when they had the focus on staying alive, they did a great job. And as soon as um, they no longer had that individual daily focus, they began to struggle in life. But, you know, yeah. the point is, again, surrounding yourself with people who are optimistic, and, but, but also being the optimist. Like mm-hmm. not being the person that just plays into all the negative bullshit. And by your actions, not your words, comes up with a way to find a solution. And, and again, I, I think people lose sight of the fact, you know, if you have a $100,000 shortfall on budget in your firehouse, and again, I'm, I'm really speaking out of turn because I don't know shit yeah, about no. this, but I'm just, I'm just assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming yeah. that's the kind of conversation that comes up. Okay. Yes, you need $100,000, but guess what? If you can do something that raises $5,000, that helps. So just because you can't solve the entire problem all at one time, positive energy moving in a positive direction, you know, creates answers and it creates solutions. And, and I think that again, people lose sight of the fact that you don't have to solve the whole, I didn't have to run across the whole Sahara desert you know, in one day, I, I just had to keep moving, continuous forward movement every single day. And, you know, again, if you saw the film <laughs> running the Sahara, yeah. which again is on, it's on Apple iTunes these days is the only mm-hmm. place it is called running the Sahara. I'm kind of a dick sometimes, but the part of it is, you know, anything that got in the way of the goal of getting us across the desert, I railed against that. I fought against it. You know, and so to me, a person who's being negative about a situation, 
Like there comes a point where I can no longer listen to that negativity. And yes. like, if that's all they are going to contribute to the conversation, I've got no use for that person. And, and yeah. it's time to move on. Well, and I think, I think it's important to understand there's a difference between optimism and positivity, right? I mean, cause optimism is kind of that outlook, right? And then positivity is kind of that dosing thing, right? Cause you know, I feel like going back a little bit, you know, it's, it's this, it's, there's a, there's a weird context for people like, no, I got to be positive in every moment. No, you don't. No, you don't. Chicken suck. It's okay. And yeah. it's okay to call it out. I mean, you know, you are about to take on this enormous journey, uh, which is radical and it will be one minute at a time. You know, it will be moment by moment by moment in order to achieve your objective, in order to actually accomplish what you want to accomplish, like you said. And that's partly why I wanted to bring you on the show is because even in our own space, in our own world, you know, there is, it's heavy. Like there's a lot to it. You know, you pull up to a entire garden apartment on fire. It's like, holy shit, how are we going to put this out? Well, we're going to start running hose lines. Like we're going to return to fundamentals. We're going to put one foot in front of the other. We're going to start putting water there. We're going to take this tactic. We're going to move this. We're going to, you know what I mean? And so you, you can't just snap your fingers and it'll all be done. It's like, you know, when I, I, I talked to the chief up in, in Northern California, the guy who you yeah. know, basically managed all the wildfires here recently, uh, you know, and the loss that's gone on out here and the, the significance of all of that, you know, and he, he'll say the same thing. It's like, you got to look at it and be like, okay, where am I going to hold the line? And what action am I, going, am I going to take that's going to move the needle now, like right now? I can't put this whole fire out right this minute. There's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of acres burning right this second. And I can't snap my fingers and get it all done. And so it's going to take something. But my commitment is to protect my community and accomplish this mission and do this. And it's kind of that return to that place that it is at the end of the day, the, the, the basis of action is moment by moment, yeah. not all in one, one shot. So Charlie, I, I can't thank you enough for giving your time. Uh, I know you, I know how busy you are, uh, running around, no pun intended. Uh, so give me the, what's the website for the five point expedition. So, yeah, so there's several ways to do that, but you know, anybody yeah. out there, by Check the way, out. with all, with all the things that we talked about today, you know, anybody yep. can find me personally just at my own website, which is charlieengel.com. So you can put that in the show notes I because will. it's, it's, um, and it's my phone number and my email that's on there. So you know, if it's about addiction or if it's about whatever it's about running, if there's anything out there that somebody wants to talk to me one on one or, you know, exchange a message or something, don't hesitate to do that. If you just want to follow, if you want to follow the 5.8 project, which is um, what it's called. So you can look up 5.8 project dot com. And it is actually the number five. We make it complicated. So it's a number five, the word point um, P-O-I-N-T, the number eight and the word project.com. So 5.8 project.com. Okay. That's a good way to track. You'll be able to find 5.8 project on Instagram, on Facebook. I mean, yep. it, it, this is going to be the easiest thing ever to like find and follow. 
And, you know, yeah. if you want to get involved in some way, then just reach out and tell me what that is. If you, you know, if a person wants to have us, you know, uh, just follow along or, or to spread the word, then that's great. Um, you know, you yeah, and Brian, I, mutual- Brian keeps, Brian keeps right. trying to get me to come, come in August you need to come anybody out there that wants to come climb Kilimanjaro. It's going to be in mid September. You know, the yeah. climb itself will be September 16th through 25th. And, you know, it's an affordable climb actually. And so if people want to be in touch about some details around that, then they should do it. And so my friend Andre and I will have traveled all the way across the Rift Valley and Ethiopia and Kenya and into Tanzania. And then we will meet the climbing group at the base of Kilimanjaro. And we already have about a dozen people that are climbing with us at this point. And it's going to be a hell of an experience. But the other thing that we're doing, and, and you're, yours and my mutual friend, Brian, uh, Brian yeah. and I are launching, uh, along with Andre, my, my co-athlete uh, on 5.8, are launching green.org also. Mm-hmm. And that's coming yep. right up uh, soon, the launch of this. So just like I launched water.org in conjunction with running the Sahara, I'm launching green.org. Uh, and very simply put, you know, we are partnering with people and nonprofits along the way uh, to bring technologies to those parts of the world that can benefit from the tech that we have. So whether it's, whether it's clean water, whether it's energy, whether it's education, whether it's human rights, um, we have an amazing group of of people and companies that are partnering Um, amongst them, uh, T-Mobile and Dick Sporting Goods and Dollar Shave Club and, Volcom and Spartan, uh, you know, these are all partners in these projects. And, uh, you know, so we have a powerful team that's going to try to make a difference out there. And I can assure you, Jeff, we will be sharing the struggle along the way and and reminding people that it's more important to get your ass out there and go do something uh, than it is to sit around and worry about what the result, you can't control the result. You can only control your effort. So I love that. That is a, and that is a perfect way to end this one. So Charlie, again, thank you. I'll make sure that everything's up in the show notes, all your links to your stuff are up there. Uh, the audience can pop over and find you a hundred percent, sir. Thank you so much for coming today. Jeff, truly my pleasure, man. Thanks for what you do. All right, that wraps up this Wednesday episode. Don't forget swingpieopmindset.com backslash mindset radio for all the show notes and podcasts, links to Charlie. Follow that guy. Believe me, it'll be well worth it. Hey, listen, also while you're there on the site, you can just go to the homepage, check it out. Go ahead and sign up for my 30-day operational mindset program. Listen, I send you an email every day for 30 days. It's about a minute read, and it is literally stuff you can apply that day. So don't forget to do that. Check it out, hitopmindset.com. Do me also another favor. Well, don't actually do me a favor. Do you a favor. Swing by BruteForceTraining.com. That's BruteForceTraining.com. Those guys are absolutely phenomenal over there. If you haven't picked up a sandbag and worked out with it yet, you're, you're well, you just need to. And at checkout, you can drop in outmindset.com. I've asked those guys to give you a little discount for listening to the show because they're such a great supporter of ours and we love to support them. 
So other than that, don't forget, do me a favor, rate and review our episodes. You know, give us what you give us your feedback. I mean, it's important now to understand what you're getting from the show and how it is. You can always send me an email just directly to jeff pop into our Facebook group, Mindset Radio, or just send me a note on Facebook and say, dude, I like your stuff, or dude, this is awful. Give me something better. I don't really care, right? But just give me some feedback, and I want to know. So listen, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. You know, watching the statistics, watching the, the episodes grow, has been amazing. We're now being listened to over in nine countries. So thank you so much uh, for all of you out there that are tuning to listen to. I really appreciate it. And I'm doing my best to bring you some great guests and some really valuable information. So we'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a great rest of your week and a phenomenal weekend.